As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest and final of the 2022 college football season episode of the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined by my colleague from the Athletics, Stu Mandel. Stu is a few feet away from me uh, in the media uh, center here in Los Angeles. We just saw a riveting nail-biter of a game between (laughs) Georgia and TCU. Um. A blowout was a possibility, Stu. Did you think it would get this much of a lopsided blowout this fast? No, of course not. Um, I knew a blowout was a possibility, but 65-7 to is not something you think about for a national championship game. Certainly, we've had some blowouts over the years. I think probably the standard bearer until this year was that Oklahoma-USC 55-19 game. Um, This game was over pretty quickly, and it just felt like uh, TCU couldn't match up with Georgia in any way. Does that mean TCU didn't belong in the game? I'm not going to go there. They beat Michigan. They earned their spot. Um, I think this is about Georgia. And, you know, what I wrote about after the game and final thoughts, this team went 15-0. and They are 29-1 and going back to last year. They are back-to-back champs. And yet I don't feel like they have that, you know, you think of some of the, like, little, um, little like, mini dynasties we've covered in the last 20 years, like, early 2000s Miami or Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, USC, um, certainly these Alabama teams, there was a level of just kind of like, whoa, those guys are really good. And I felt like Georgia, it took a long time for them to get that. I would assume they have that now. Stu, I don't know. It was somewhere around the in the third quarter where uh, Aaron Murray, the former Georgia star quarterback who now works in the media for SEC Network, I believe, he had tweeted something that basically said, I think Stetson Bennett is the greatest player in the history of Georgia football. And I was like, wow, that's a heavy statement. And because there's so many great players and Hall of Famers who come from the Georgia Bulldog program. And I turned to turn to you and I said, man, that would probably be a pretty interesting column. At which point, like 10 feet away from us, our Georgia writers, uh, Seth Emerson and Jeff Schultz, were, were kicking it around. Jeff Schultz had seen the same tweet. 
And I think he was going to do something with it. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, on one hand, this guy who, you know, obviously came in with a, a you know, a, a fairy tale kind of story of former walk on, you know, they had to, so many other guys who he had to beat out, who they seemed like they were more focused on. And yet in the four playoff games that he's been in the last two years where he's led Georgia to two national titles, 15 total touchdowns, only one interception, remarkably efficient, playmaking quarterback, really good with his legs, just, you know, just a terrific player. And so when I got into the Georgia locker room, I ran into N'Kobe Dean, you know, was a star player on last year's team and now in the NFL. And I brought up the Aaron Murray tweet and he looked at me, he goes, I agree with him. I think he is the best. And I was like, wow, you know, and, but N'Kobe Dean in fairness is not, it's not like he saw Herschel Walker play in person or even Champ Bailey. You know, there's a lot of great players that that program has produced but it is a compelling argument. So I would ask you, you lived in the state of Georgia for a long time. You've covered the sport for coming up on 30 years or 25 years. What do you think of the point of Stetson Bennett arguably being considered the greatest player in the history of Georgia football? I think he's right. I think that the standard bearer for 41 years was Herschel Walker, who was one of the greatest running backs in the history of the sport. And so there's a reason he was regarded that way. Um, I don't know that Stetson Bennett is a more talented player than Herschel Walker was, but when you think about what Stetson Bennett has done for Georgia football, Herschel Walker was part of the 1980 national title team. He was there for three years. That was the only national title they won. Stetson Bennett has been the quarterback for back-to-back national title teams. And, you know, I think the difference from 2021 to 2022 is that people still didn't believe he was that good last year. This year... I would say they don't win it without him. I mean, they, he had to outduel C.J. Stroud last week. Um, in all of their biggest games, he has risen to the occasion. He ended up throwing for over 4,100 yards. That's, you know, all-American-type stats. Uh, he is going to be a hero there forever. And to your point, I think maybe the Georgia, this little dynasty that's emerging, was underappreciated because people didn't appreciate him. But I think at this point, you know, and Kirby Smart said tonight he thought he had the best game of his career yet in this game tonight. I mean, he's just a really, really, really good college quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen from here in terms of his NFL potential. Um, but, like, I don't, I'm not going to think back to the 2022 team and think of their defense. I'm going to think of him and Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey, just extremely explosive offense. So as long as we're talking hypotheticals, scenarios, and whatnot, Alabama has obviously been the standard bearer in this sport for 14, 15 years. Um, But Georgia beat them in last year's national title, followed it up with another national title. Is Georgia the preeminent program in this sport? How can you say they're not at this point? They won back-to-back national titles. I mean, I don't know how you could think they're not. I mean, I just think that they – you know, some of this feels like Alabama has – has tailed off a little bit. It's hard to say they've tailed off that much when you had Bryce Young and Will Anderson. But the reality is, you know, we talked about this a lot. They were not that great this year, you know? So on that sense, I definitely think it's, it, 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 Georgia has taken over. Um, no, no, I wouldn't say, you know, we do our top 25 coaches every year, you know, Kirby smart, 
I would say is surpassed Dabo now, but I'm not saying he's surpassed. Oh man, this when it comes time to do our coach rankings this year, I, I already know what the the, the big debate's going to be. Tell me. Well, as you know, when we do those rankings, I'm much more of a "What have you done for me lately?" So, so you're, you're going to put so him. You're going to have Saban? Saban number one because of what he's done over the last 15 years. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but if you're saying which coach would I rather have, as, if you were starting a program from scratch at this exact moment, who would you rather have as your coach, Kirby Smart or Nick Saban? I'm not. Uh, Nick Saban's not lost the, uh, the fastball enough for me to go. I'm not having him number one. Look. I'm going to go get Ralph Russo in the other room and <laughs> here and just smack you around for, for saying you're going to have Nick Saban number, number two. Is that what you're saying? You, when, well, when Dabo won his second national title, I believe the next year I did 1A and 1B. So I will at least do that, and I will think about just flat out putting him number one. I mean, he took the Saban blueprint, he applied it to Georgia, and I think has actually surpassed him in terms of the level at which they recruit. And it's not just, you know, everybody makes it like, oh, they just have all the five stars. They also have Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers and Stetson Bennett. Those were the three most important offensive players on the field tonight, not four and five stars. So, Well, Brock Bowers is a four-star. He's a high four-star. He was the second-ranked tight end in the country. Okay, I stand corrected. I thought he was a high three-star. Um, regardless, like, you know, somebody asked him in the press conference afterward, is it more about the recruiting? Is it more about the development? Obviously, he said both. But, you know, as he pointed out, they lost 15 players to the draft last year, and they did not bring in a single portal kid. So to be able to even one-up last season and go 15-0 and required hitting on a lot of recruits and developing them right. Yeah. I mean, you can't, look, I'm, I don't want to take anything away. I'm just saying Nick Saban, to me, is the greatest coach the sport has ever seen. And... For a down year this year, I mean, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they, you know, they still went to the title game last year, and they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. So, um, I think that's that. You know, that part is nit, nitpicky, but I certainly think Georgia has stepped over Clemson, no doubt. But, um, you know, this is obviously is Georgia's time, and you know, one of the things that I think. You know, I'm gonna. I'm writing about. You know, af, off this is, can they do the three feet? No one's ever done that. And talking to some of the younger players and some of the players in the program after the game, you know, it's like, all right, we have two weeks to basically celebrate this, and then we're teeing it up again and getting ready to work towards their, their goals. And I thought it was, you know, kind of interesting. I'd asked, uh, you know, Jamon Dumas Johnson. Uh, you know, their leading tackler, I asked him about that. And he goes, well, we're not, you know, thinking about that right now. But he proceeded to go, you know, you know, I said, we're not, you know, we're not, it's one game at a time, you know, but like, and then he brought up Houston. So he knew enough that the, <laughs> the national title game is in Houston. And then he was like, kind of joked. He was like, well, I have like a cousin who was telling me about it. I was like, yeah, well, he obviously knew that. And he was pretty funny how he kind of talked through it. And I think a bunch of the players kind of get that because, as they say, the standard has now been set in this. And I think it's really been set in the in the Georgia locker room and the position rooms. What to me is the most interesting aspect of it, again, I'll circle back on Stetson Bennett, is the guy who they kept on trying to recruit over, whether it was JT Daniels or Dewan Mathis or 
you know, Brock Vandegrift or yeah, Jamie Newman forgot about him for a minute, you know, like all these other guys. Now he's leaving and Carson, maybe it's Carson Beck will be the guy. I don't Probably know. Probably going to be Carson know, Beck. So. Although, I mean, I think the, the, the most interesting question for them is, will Todd Munkin, whose game plan tonight was fantastic, who's been the OC the past three years, is he going to still be the OC next year? I'd imagine he's going to have a lot of NFL interest. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I actually think that was part of where I thought, you know, about the Saban-Kirby thing. Like, I think... That's Nick Saban has shown he's been, you know, remarkable at replacing assistants and coordinators. Um, with Kirby, just certainly Dan Lanning did a really good job, but you know, Kirby's still a defensive guy. I think if Todd Munkin leaves, I'm interested to see how they replace that, but I'm also interested to see what happens life after Stetson Bennett. You know, what's nuts, and I don't know if we said this on the podcast, I know we said this offline where you said it. Actually, I think we did talk about it on the podcast where it was like after last year, it, you know, I, I was like a little incredulous when you were talking about Stetson Bennett. Like, oh, yeah, he'll, he's going to move on. Like, he's <laughs> going to he's going to go sell real estate now or, so, you know, like he was not going to. I was like, why would he, he just just be it was just didn't didn't make sense to me when I heard it. And, um, you know, and I, I'm interested to see how this program is going to turn the page on this Kirby Smart actually brought that up uh, tonight he brought up he told the anecdote of Stetson Bennett coming into his office a few days after the championship game last year and saying look everybody thinks I should ride off into the sunset you know I, I'm, I'll be a hero forever but why would I do that why don't I come back and we try to do this again and so they did I do think we should take a second though to recognize that like this team was so dominant in almost every game this year if Ohio if Noah Ruggles field goal goes in they're not in the national championship game, much less a repeat right. national champion. I say that because I feel like the hype going into next season for them is going to be its highest yet. Their schedule, because the SEC made them cancel their uh, Oklahoma game, their schedule is comical. <laughs> it's UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, at Auburn, Kentucky, at Vanderbilt, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. Like, the expectation is going to be that they go undefeated. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that as great as that team is, as talented as they are, like, the gap between them and a team like Ohio State is, is not much at all. There's only a few programs I would say that about. Well, but that's one of them. You know, if they play Alabama next year's SEC title game, it might be one of them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm going to do you a favor right now and tee up a story you're going to have probably that'll go up at the same time, which is your early uh, top 25. And so Alabama, obviously not going to have Bryce Young, not going to have Will Anderson, also not going to have Jamar Gibbs. You know, those are the three best players in the program. It's hard for me to believe that they're going to be better without those guys, right? Correct. Ohio State, who we just talked about, they're not going to have C.J. Stroud. Now, they will have Marvin Harrison Jr., but um, 
it's hard for me to think that they can they they may take a step back you know depending on you know what's happened at their quarterback situation maybe they'll maybe somebody in the portal will end up there and and they'll hit the ground running with him um you know so i know we're going to tease the top we'll tease you know like i think LSU should be a top 6 team um i'm not sure what i look at in the rest of the sec like i liked what i saw from Joe Milton late but i also was like eh, i got kind of excited about Joe Milton at, at Michigan and it didn't look very good yeah you know so i'm not convinced Tennessee is going to topple Georgia either you know like the SEC right now I'm not feeling like I'm definitely not putting all my eggs in the Petrino basket like all of a sudden now Texas A&M is going to go from being crap to to beating you know beating Georgia I don't think Ole Miss was in any shape to do that um well here's here's I'll go ahead and and let you know um because you're right this will be on the site by the time people hear this Mm mm-hmm my top five and is number one Georgia. I really appreciate Blake Corum announcing his decision on Monday before I had to publish this. Michigan two, Ohio State three, and to your point, LSU four, Alabama five. Who's six? Six is John Hayes, Penn State, and Indian Lions. I'm surprised you do not have Caleb Williams in there. They are right after Penn State. I just think that the defense is a real, real, real problem. And they went 11-3 and three this year. Yes, Caleb Williams will be back for another year. Their offense will be amazing. I don't know that that defense is going to be easily fixed. Now, the thing about doing this early top 25 now, we've got another transfer portal window yeah. coming up. This whole thing will change again. I don't know who Lincoln Riley is going to bring in in the meantime. Alabama might go and bring in some star quarterback transfer, you know. So this could change again. But, you know, I, I this is – if if this were Alabama's roster as of today, who's their best offensive player? Alabama? Yeah. It might be one of their offensive linemen at this point. Is it Jace McClellan? I don't know. I saw like I saw him have one big play against Texas, you know, but this is the least inspiring Alabama lineup preseason in a long, long time. Now, I'm not doubting that Saban might I mean, at the end of the day, this team lost two games at the last second, so they're not far away. But, I mean, I think if you look at LSU, they obviously overachieved this year. They do have the quarterback coming back in Jaden Daniels. They do have uh, Malik Neighbors, a 1,000-yard receiver. Mason Taylor, who had, you know, the big play against Alabama. Guys like Harold Perkins on defense. Um, it seems like you're reading. <laughs> well, I do. I have my, my cheat sheet here. So, um, so Georgia will start number one. Georgia and- should start – they get Mason Smith back, who is the most talented yeah. big interior defensive lineman probably in the SEC. I think they're not done in the portal. I think most of these teams aren't done in the portal. Um, we should talk about TCU. Uh, you know, obviously the Cinderella run ended with a big thud. I think you on the last episode brought up like these basketball teams that everybody in the tournament, everybody loves them until they actually get to yeah. the Final Four. I remember the George Mason year. They, they got in, they lost by like 30 to so is, Now Nova. you see it? Yeah, I think it's a... Sonny Dykes himself at Media Day brought up that comparison of like, you know, he's like, that happens in basketball every year. It's a lot harder in football because there's so many more players. But, like, I think even he conceded that they were on a magical run. They were, you know, way overachieving what people thought they would do. They had a tremendous season. Um, they changed the profile of that program uh, in a big, big way. Um, they 
were a tough one <laughs> for this early top 25. They were basically an all-upperclassman team. So you know you're losing Max Duggan. You know so you're you got losing Chandler, Chandler Morris, who, who has played before and has, yeah. has been impressive at times. Quentin Johnson will turn pro. Kendry Miller will probably turn pro. Um, they brought in Trey Sanders from Alabama. Maybe that's their new running back. Um, Hodges Tomlinson. They have third. they have good, still good receivers in the program. They have. Um, I just feel know. like they. I put them tenth. They could be that. They could be go back to the playoff. They could finish fifth in the Big 12. I have no idea. It'll be very interesting to see whether this season turns into a springboard for them or it was just kind of a, you know, everything fell in place, perfect storm kind of season. But don't let the 66-7, you know, oh, they were frauds. Like, they beat the undefeated Big 10 champion in the semis. Um, they They didn't get voted into the championship game. They earned their way into the championship game. Yes, I would agree. I would, I would absolutely agree. And, you know, look, a lot of things went right for them against Michigan. They had two pick sixes. Michigan got too cute in the red zone. There was a questionable call on a touchdown. Like, there was a bunch of stuff. Um, there's an interesting – Tim Tessalone, who's like the great former USC SID, made an interesting point, I thought, about um, the playoff. And he said – like bowls where it's like a separate season and we've talked mm-hmm. about this. He goes, you get some wild stuff will happen in that game because it's a month off. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on between that month. So then with the playoff, then you have like a week after that where all of a sudden it's like teams correct a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think what he said made a lot of sense where it's like, you're more likely to get the upsets in that semifinal game where it's the first time out, as opposed to you get some funky stuff in bowl games too. As opposed to, here we go, this is going to be something really different. All right, let's 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 wrap with this, because there's a lot of background noise here in the uh, media hospitality room. Um, so we talked about Georgia. Can they three-peat? That'll be a dominant storyline next year. What's something, as we sit here in January, that when it comes time to kick off in September, you're most excited about next season? I'm most excited about or I'm most curious about? Either. Um, I'm very curious. We have a lot of uncertainty with Michigan right now. You talked about Blake Corum being back. We don't know as we're taping this what's going on with Jim Harbaugh. We don't know what is going on with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan and the NCAA. Um, you know, the athletic has reported on whether Harbaugh had misled the NCAA. That's that's part of what you know the NCAA is looking into. Um, does this mean he's going to get offered an NFL job at some point? If he does, then what happens? Very curious about that. Um, I'm honestly very curious to see what happens at Alabama. As you said, right now, based on what you rattled off with their like returning players, if it wasn't Alabama, you wouldn't probably have that team in the top ten. That's correct. That's correct. Well, maybe low top ten, but certainly not top five. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for those things, I'm, I'm very, very interested. Um, you know, like... Um, it's funny because this person was in the building tonight. I am fascinated, like a lot of people, what is going on in Colorado with Deion Sanders yeah. and how much of a splash he makes, you know, for, continues to make. I mean, the nation's top DB recruit is going to announce in like a week of where he's going. He had been committed to Miami. People thought he was going to go there. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. You know, we've seen Dion pull big-time DB talent before away from 
you know, bigger schools in South Florida or bigger schools in Florida. So, you know, I want to see how that works out. I'm, I'm really curious about Colorado and what happens with Dion. I think the Pac-12 as a conference is going to be about as entertaining and interesting a conference as you could ask for next year. So you mentioned Dion. Obviously, it's a big part of it. Um, you've got uh, Cam Rising, the Utah quarterback, announced on Monday that he's coming back to go with Caleb Williams, Bo Nix at Oregon, Michael Penix at Washington, DJ Uyunglele is coming to Oregon State. Uh, the lineup of quarterbacks is just remarkable. Um, whether they will finally put a team in the playoff, I don't know. It might be that they all knock each other off again. But there's going to be a lot to look for there. And then one other thing, as I was doing the top ten research, I don't want to say Florida State is back because when Florida State was at its heyday, it was at its heyday, right? They won ten games this year. They are going to be very, very talented next year. I think Mike Norvell has done the best job of anybody since the portal became a thing, since media was really became a thing. Jared Verse is coming back. Jordan Travis is coming back. They've already gotten several, you know, big-name transfers coming in. Clemson's been the preseason highest-ranked team in the ACC for probably seven or eight years at this point. Florida State is my highest-ranked ACC team in the preseason. And where do you have Clemson? I have Clemson 15th. I am not feeling all that great about them, the direction of that program right now. But maybe that's being too pessimistic. All right, I think we're going to wrap up for the night. Um, as always, you can send your emails to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. Thank you for being with us for another college football season. We'll see you next time. Thank you.